Hi all, welcome back to another podcast. I've got Archie on today, who's a Blues fan. How are you doing, Archie? I'm good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, I'm sure you're still buzzing after the Chelsea result at the weekend. Yeah, mate, it was a very, very good result. Um, away at Leicester, obviously. Yeah, yeah, very happy to get a win there. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk through that game in just a sec, and then we'll look through the other fixtures that took place last weekend, and then make some predictions for the games this weekend. Nice. All right, so first we'll look at the Leicester-Chelsea game. So I'll talk through the predictions that we made last week as well. Oh, so yeah, me and Joe both predicted a Chelsea win, obviously. I went for the clean sheet, but Joe went for a 3-1 Chelsea win. So if you combine both of ours, I reckon you would have got the right score line. What do you make of the game? Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good game, obviously. Um, we dominated like we tend to do nowadays, to be honest. Um Scored pretty early goal with Rudiger, um, and then we we pretty much just held the ball the whole the whole game. You know, created good chances. I mean, what what we're doing a lot of them at the moment is we're creating a lot of chances, not really putting away as many as we probably should. But obviously, three 0 in this game is a is a very good scoreline. Um, and I think uh, I think really we're just showing our domination. You know, we we had I think it was like sixteen shots or something like that. You know, we we really creating a good amount of chances um, and moving the ball well. But yeah, we, we played very well. Yeah, obviously, I think the wing-backs were, went a bit nuts this weekend. Rudiger got his classic goal against Leicester too, you know. Yeah, and yeah. With, with Lukaku out, they're really stepping up in terms of contributing in front of goal and also efficiently as a defensive unit as well, which is really impressive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, the, the thing about Chelsea is that anyone can score on our team, you know, and, and they do. We don't really have... We're not, we're not like other teams where we have, you know, this this out-and-out out goal scorer, this top goal scorer, this person who's going to bag all the goals. You know, for us, it comes from from anyone, really. And like you said, the wing-backs, Reece in particular, playing very, very well at the moment. Um, just contributing all the time, it, it seems. Um, and that, I mean, that that five that we're playing with these wing-backs pushing up and down the pitch, they're, they're, they're doing very well, creating lots of opportunities. Yeah, yeah it's, it's such an intelligent system developed by Tuchel, I think. And uh, Leicester tried to match your formation. They went three four three to start yeah. with. Rogers thought he could go man for man, but your midfield, yeah. their midfield, just got overrun by yours. And uh, the problem was he didn't take into account like Havertz, Hudson, Odoi, and Mount all like drifting in between the defense and the Samari and Didi double pivot, and they just yeah. weren't able to pick him up. So we well, yeah, left the attack isolated too, which was just you know. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the Chelsea front three at the moment, they're, they're just always rotating and it means that defences can't really uh, pick a, a certain plan that's going to stop them because you don't know who you're really going to be up against. Um, and I think that's what that's what keeps it fresh. And the midfield, like you say, I mean, our midfield is just, it's ridiculous at the moment. Now, obviously, N'Golo is just a world-class player. And uh, for anyone to outplay him would, would take a would take a massive performance. And then you've got Jorginho next to him, and obviously a Euros winner, and he's you know won the Champions League last season. You know it's uh, yeah it's a, it's a very good midfield, very good defence as well. Obviously we kept so many clean sheets, um, but yeah like that that attack always moving is it's it's quite special at the moment. Yeah, even with all your injuries too, you know you've got Kovacic out, Werner out, Lukaku out. And I think Kante picked up an injury in midweek and so did Chilwell now, which is a bit of a worry. But do you think yeah. Alonso comes back in to replace Chilwell or do you think, you know, maybe even Pulisic or Azpilicueta? Who do you think's first choice now? Um, I think Alonso will probably, will probably replace him uh, against Man U. Um, he, he didn't come on when Chilwell got injured uh, midweek, but that's, I think, just because he wanted to rest him for, the, for this Man U game. Um yeah, I mean, it is obviously a bit of a worry having Ngolo and um, and Chilwa picking up an injury. Lukaku and Werner, they're looking like they're, they're coming they're coming back now, though. Um, obviously, uh, Lukaku was on the bench in the midweek game. Uh, Werner came on for a bit. So I think um, they're, 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 they're coming back. Um, but yeah, I do think Alonso will probably, probably replace Ben. But again, there's so, many, so much depth in our squad that Really, Thomas could pick anyone and they could do a job there. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I will, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if a couple of games against, you know, low blocks, we'll see a Pulisic rock up at left wing back. Cause... Well, yeah, exactly. You can play anyone there, you know. <laughs> he, he sometimes plays um, kind of Hudson Adoy there. Yeah. Um, he, he likes to mix it up and he, he can do that, which is, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I think the reason that Alonso didn't come on in midweek is because he was planning to bring on Aspi for James just to give him some rest before the United game, obviously. And then yeah, when yeah. Chilwell got injured, he just thought, "I'll oh, stick Aspi at left back," you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, he definitely wanted to to keep Reese fresh. Uh, why wouldn't you when he's in such good form? Um, and it's good to see Aspi getting some minutes again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure all the Chelsea supporters will be saying Reese needs to be starting for the England squad. Oh, England he has to be, mate. Well. He has to be. So good. <laughs> We've got so many, so many right backs now with Walker yeah, and yeah. as well. It's going to be tough. Yeah, for... it's, it's difficult, and you know, obviously, I'll argue for Reese, but Liverpool fans will argue for Trent. Obviously, Trent's a quality, quality player as well. But I think Reese, what what Reese has that Trent doesn't is that defensive ability as well. You know, obviously, he's he's so good going forward, but he's also very good defensively as well, which I do think gives him the edge over Trent, well, for, for me at least. Yeah, I agree as well. I think Reese is probably number one choice at the moment. I, I would have even said that going into this season, to be honest, but yeah, yeah I think it's going to upset a lot of Liverpool fans. But... Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Trent, <laughs> that's the thing. Trent performs all the time as well, you know. He he creates so many opportunities, just like, just like Reese does. So it's not like the easiest decision ever. But I do, I do think that there is a that that Reese does edge it for me. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. All right, well now let's move on to the Villa Brighton game. It was yeah. uh, Gerard's first game in charge, so there was a bit of a new manager bounce there, and they managed to win two 0 at home to Brighton. Yeah, which great result for them. Yeah, I mean, well, quite quite a few new managers this weekend were, were showing. Um, but yeah, I mean, great, great for Villa. Uh, obviously, two two very late goals. Um, but I think that they needed that really, um, because obviously they're they're still still fighting down kind of near the bottom of the table, I guess. But their form had been been very poor, so it's good good to see them getting a result. Obviously, I feel feel quite quite uh, quite bad for Brighton uh, staying, and they, I mean first half Brighton created a lot of a lot of opportunities, um, but couldn't couldn't really tuck any away. Um, and they're, they're, they're kind of seeing their form dip a little bit as well. Obviously, they had a great start to the season, Brian. Um, but yeah, Villa, Villa edged them out. I'm sure Gerard's very happy about that. Yeah. Um, Brian actually haven't won a game in their last seven matches, you know, five yeah. draws. Kind of yeah. feels like last season where they just weren't killing off games. I think towards the start of the season, we were seeing, you know, that late winner from Trossard at, at Brentford away, which was... You know, nice to see, and we thought they'd turn the corner maybe, but I think they've gone back to their old ways a little, and there's a bit of a bad feeling around Brian at the moment. So hopefully yeah, they can turn it around. Yeah, I feel like um, start of the season they were winning games, but again they, they don't tend they don't tend to win them by big margins. You know, it's always there are always games where you feel like if the opposition just has uh, one chance, it, that could be it, and that seems to happen at the moment. They're not, yeah, like you say, they're not killing off the games, which is which is a shame. But yeah, we'll have to see how they uh, how they progress. Yeah, um, Morpe has been dropped from the team, and I think that's justified. To be honest, I just don't really rate him as a striker. But who knows? Maybe they're missing that focal point. I'm still so surprised they didn't sign anyone in the summer. To be honest, so. yeah, I think um, Morpe like he has his moments where he where you know he can do he can do good things with the ball, but I I don't rate his attitude. To be honest, um, and I don't I don't think he's. The, the the greatest striker. I think if Brighton could, like you say, invest in a in a top striker, then that they would be able to seal games. Because at the moment, it's just really it's just Trossard that's that's the goal threat, you know. And um, I think yeah, they do need some out and out striker. Um, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And then you look at Villa, who've got Watkins and Ings. You know, I feel like Dean Smith struggled to get them both into a team. And Gerard's now going to have that task. I think what he's probably going to end up doing is pushing Watkins wide because he offers so much to the team in terms of pressing and, you know, teamwork as well. And he's going to be just one of those like inverted forwards, really, you know, like a, a Mane or a Salah, who's technically a striker, but they play out wide. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think Watkins also obviously offers more pace. Um, and he's, yeah, like you say, he's, 
good good at pressing the ball. He's he's got a good work ethic. Um, and he's a great great finisher. I mean, his goal against Brighton was was a top top finish. Um, and he did he cut in from the side there as well. So yeah, feel like that that definitely could be an option for Gerard to do that. And that would be uh yeah that'd be good to have Ings up top. Obviously, good good uh, goal scorer. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Gerard can do with this team. I think Leon Bailey's still to come in. He hasn't really settled in yet, but he's an exciting talent as well. And yeah, I'm just excited to see what he could get out of the youngsters as well, because I feel he's probably a good role model for them to look up to. You know, they would have grown up watching him. And yeah, I'm just quite excited for Villa because I think it was quite, it lacked inspiration under Dean Smith, but they've turned a corner now, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I think they, they have, um, like you said, they have a lot of quality. Uh, Leon Bailey obviously had a great, great season last last season in the um, Bundesliga, and I do feel like if he if he really gets going, he could be he could be a, a big threat going forward. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, it wasn't a great prediction from me or Joe. We both went for a one-all draw, but it was a hard one to call. And that is, I mean, that is a, yeah, that's a difficult one to call. <laughs> Neither really on top form um, going into it. So yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, so many games this this weekend were hard to call. Speaking of, next was uh, Burnley Par- Palace, which was a right, three-all yeah. draw. What a game! Yeah, don't think anyone saw that coming. To be honest. I, um, no. Especially with Burnley in the in the fixture, you know, you never expect to see a six goal thriller involving Burnley. <laughs> That's very true. But um, I think Maxwell Cornet has come in, and you know, he's just added that little bit of little bit of spice to the team. I think he just he's so dynamic and exciting to watch, and him and Wood have a great striker partnership. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's so impressive on both feet. And Burnley did really well in the summer to sign him. I think they saw his performances for Leon against City in the UCL and saw you know he can play striker because apart from that he was playing left back and I'm sure that's where many other clubs would have been scouting him to play as well so yeah yeah no, he's he, he's done well um obviously picking up a goal in this game um a good goal as well to be honest you know um so yeah I think, I think they've, they've done well to get him in um Chris Wood as well good to see him scoring obviously I think that was like 50th goal or something um so it's yeah pretty good for him but Burnley yeah like you say it's always difficult to know you know kind of well difficult to see them scoring loads of goals um but they definitely had a good game and um it, it was something that they needed as well obviously they're in relegations and they need to pick up points wherever they can and Palace although you know it's a game where you'd, you'd want to win it they're still they're a good side um but I think a point there is is, is good for Burnley yeah, I completely agree. And I think Burnley tend to do this to managers. The first time they play a, a manager that hasn't played them before, like Patrick Vieira, you know, it takes a game for the other manager to realise how you're meant to play against them. They just basically hoof it up and win second balls and just a bit of a nuisance, to be honest, especially if you're going to turf more, you know, the fans can get on your back and it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not a great atmosphere if you're away from home. So, yeah, I think... Vieira will learn from that, but Palace still look threatening, you know. Benteke looking back to his best, who would have thought of that after the yeah. last of the season? Yeah, well, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> I, I really want to see him back to his best because back in the day when he was at Villa, you know, he was unplayable. Yeah. And yeah, just really want to see him get back to old levels, really. Yeah, I think he's he's doing well. Obviously, when you've got someone as good as Conor Gallagher and you know, supplying him with balls. Um you're going to be you're going to be taking some opportunities, but yeah, he's he's doing well, um, and seems to be back, you know, in his in his in his goal scoring form, which is good. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, yeah, Chelsea fans will be happy with the performances of Conor Gallagher, and I think they want him to come back next season, obviously. But I'm sure Palace will try and chuck in a cheeky bid, you know, because he's just been so good for them. What do you think his yeah, market yeah. value is currently? Oh. I don't know what I'd say his market value is. Obviously, still a young player, but he's got to be up there. He's he's a top top player, and obviously, yeah, I would would love to see him coming into the Chelsea side. I think that'd be that'd be great. Um, obviously, we're at the moment we're playing a lot of young players. You know, trying to get them in, get them involved around the first team. I think it'd be good for him um, to play with some some top talent like at Chelsea. Uh, I don't want to say he's, he's wasted at Palace, but I think he could definitely perform perform very well. For Chelsea, yeah, I mean it's gonna Palace will have to put in a quite quite a, a high price, I think, if they would want to keep him. 
but I, I don't know if I could see that happening. I would love to. I just would love to see Chelsea getting him in, getting him back. Yeah, I imagine he's not for sale, but if Palace, yeah, no, something I, I, can't, I can't imagine who they would be, they'd be <laughs> wanting that. Yeah, if Palace put in, you know, a, a sixty million bid, I don't know. I think it would even then it would be quite tight. Yeah, yeah, I think it would. I mean, obviously, that's it's a lot for a for a young player who yeah kind of just burst onto the scene, I guess. But but no, I, I feel like he's got so much talent, so much ability that Chelsea don't want to get rid of him. You know, let let him grow into our first team. That that'd be that'd be special. Huh? Uh, especially after you know making mistakes with the likes of Livramento and Tarek Lamptey in recent years, I think they'll be less reluctant to you know let go some of their best. Yeah, talent. exactly. Yeah. I mean, but prior prior to Frank, we would often just let let our young players go, um, and that's something that I love that he's done for us. You know, bringing in bringing in academy boys, and just seeing just how good they are. I mean, everyone knows Chelsea's academy is is unbelievable. We've produced great talent. We win so many things as an academy. So why not get them into our first team? You know, and it's working well. You have got Reese, you have got Mount, you know, Calamus and Adoy. It's just it's great. Chalaber even. So I feel like we, we, I'm loving that we're starting to use our academy more. And uh, I think it'd be a, a big, big mistake if we got rid of Conor Gallagher now. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And Tuchel's getting so much out of these youngsters as well. And he's actually making good use of the whole squad. You might get, you know, if, if Mourinho was there, for example, I can imagine him not really giving the youngsters any time. And uh, Arsene Wenger once said something along the lines of he would play youngsters with knowing that they would cost him points in that season, but then by the age of 23, 24, he'd have a player and they'd probably cost him more points than an experienced 28-year-old with less talent. But as I said, yeah, he's just got, they just grow and, you know, develop into an all-round better player. So it's a bit of a sacrifice in the short term, but in the long term, you develop a player and it's not even been costing two points in the short term. I mean, you've been winning every week, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think... It, it, what 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 is doing well is he is rotating the squad a lot, and I feel like you have to when you have like you look at our bench in any game, and it's it's internationals, you know, it's it's full internationals, and if you want to keep them at the club, they have to get game time, and that's you know it's obviously difficult to constantly rotate because you want players to play together and form relationships on the pitch, but he has to do that in order to keep them there and keep them you know wanting wanting to play and wanting to stay at Chelsea. And um, it's just great that you can find a way to get those get those boys in all the time, really. Um, like Callum, he's really, really come come alive this season, I think. Um, and Tuchel's doing great, great, great things for him. I think he started like seven games, seven or last games, something in a row, which is just great for him because it's it's helping with his confidence. You know, the manager backs him, he backs himself. It's it's just it's it's working well, and I'm liking liking how he's how he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've been really impressed with him this season. And uh, I think Tuchel tried to sign him at PSG. So that probably explains why he's such a big fan as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It shows that you wanted him even before he had him. So that yeah. probably helps with his confidence as well. For sure. Let's let's look at the next game, which was also a, a six-goal thriller. Yeah. Newcastle-Brentford 3 all. I actually predicted a 2 all, So, you know, pretty similar. Oh, yeah, it went far off. Yeah, I expected a, a lot of goals just with... How style of play and but Brentford being a bit more leaky nowadays without David Rea in goal. I think yeah. his his deputy is not not quite up to Premier League standards to be honest. But they don't really have an option, so they yeah. might have to stick with him until January. Uh, what do you make yeah, of it? I, I think it was a well, it was a very exciting game. Obviously, three all was always going to be a, a good game. Um, I feel like. The Newcastle keeper that I could have could have done better to be honest. I feel like that, especially that on that first goal, that's just that's got to be saved. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a great game. Obviously, Newcastle fans they're hoping for some big change now that they've got the new owners. But I mean, even when when the new owners came in, you know, it's gonna take a it's gonna take a while. You've got to rebuild. You've got to in order to attract these big players. You've got to make a team that's gonna win games because no one's gonna want to go there if you're not performing. And so I think the fans all want to see these performances. Obviously, they started well with an early goal, but a minute later, Brentford equalised. Um, so that they there are they definitely still need to improve a lot. Um, but I mean, yeah, obviously bottom of the bottom of the table, form's not great. But um, yeah, I mean that was it was a it was a great game for a, for a neutral. 
Yeah, I mean, Newcastle still yet to win this season. Um, Eddie Howe's yeah. obviously come in, but he wasn't at the game because he had COVID. So that must have been quite difficult. But he's known to want to try and build this team around John Joe Shelby, which I think is quite an interesting prop- proposition. You know, he's someone who's had so much potential, but he's just never really lived up to it. And yeah, I'm quite interested to see what he can do with him. They played Willock and Shelby in midfield, which, you know, doesn't really protect the defence at all. But yeah. it's great to watch and it's great football. So Yeah, exactly. It's attacking football, which I'm sure the fans want to see. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you say, John Joe Shelby, is, he does have talent. He's a good, good player. Um, he's not, he, he hasn't shone like people perhaps thought he might. Um, but yeah, may, maybe under Eddie, he can. Uh, if he starts to starts to be that focal point for the team, that could be that could be quite good for him. It's good to see Willick, Willick playing a lot. You know, that's obviously good. He's a great player. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And he started with a three four three in this game with Saint Maximan, who's just a live wire. You know, so exciting to watch. Wilson, the poacher, who actually didn't manage to get on the score sheet, but I think goals are coming for him soon. And he flourished under Howe at Bournemouth. So uh, I'm expecting big things from him. And then Joel Linton, who actually didn't look useless for once this game. There was one chance at the end he missed, which was classic Joel Linton at Newcastle. But I'm hoping that we can actually see something from him because I feel a bit bad for the guy. He just gets slated every week. You know, they spent <laughs> 40 million on him. It's not been not been a great start to his Newcastle career. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously it's big, big money for Newcastle, that. Um... And so you, you have to perform, and yeah, like you say, he has he has had a few uh, a few shockers, um, but hopefully he can turn that around. And I mean, St. Maximin, like you said, just great to watch him. He's such an exciting player, and uh, he really is just he controls games for for Newcastle. And he creates opportunities just out of nothing, and he he really is an exciting player. So I think it's great that they have him in the squad, um, and yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how they how they grow with with the new owners um who they bring in that'll be exciting to see um yeah yeah this this january for sure is going to be really exciting especially from a newcastle point of view i reckon they're going to pick up some cheeky free transfers or some pre-contract agreements you know with i could see like a jesse lingard going there on loan for example or an aaron ramsey his contracts coming to an end at juve so he could come um but yeah they're, they're showing ambition that's good to see Looking yeah. at looking at Brentford too, um, and Bame and Bame hit the post again, and I can't. I think that's the seventh time this season. Can't work out if that's bad luck or bad finishing. What do you think? Well, it's sort of uh, like like Timo last season. You know, um, <laughs> they come so close so often, but um, yeah, I mean, it's either that he, he wants he wants to finish so much, he's aiming for those corners so much that it. It's just gonna hit the post, but you know he's still he's still getting in those in those um, in those places, getting those opportunities, taking those strikes on, which even when even if you're hitting the post, it still shows good intent. Um, like Timo last season, you know, he obviously gets slated all the time, but he's getting in the right positions, um, and you know, as long as those opportunities keep coming, he will start to bag some goals. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hitting the post seven times is a bit ridiculous. I think the next highest is only two or three, so he's just way out in front. If if even three of those had gone in, you know, he'd be looking at, what, five or six goals already this season, which for a newly promoted striker, you know, it's pretty impressive. But Yeah, very, very impressive, yeah. Um, he's, he's obviously he's unlucky to, to hit the post that many times. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's it's showing good intent, and I'm sure... If he, if he keeps keeps going, he'll score some goals soon. Agreed, yeah. Looking at the next game now, so it was the Norwich-Southampton game. Dean Smith's first game in charge of Norwich and he managed to take them to a 2-1 win at Southampton. I think it was a bit of a fraudulent goalkeeping, actually, from Alex McCarthy and the Southampton net. He probably should have stopped both goals, especially the Grant Hanley header. That was a really poor header and I'm so surprised he didn't stop that. Yeah, I, I can't believe that went in. I mean, you could even tell by the by, by Dean by Dean uh, his uh, reaction to the goal. He he was you know he was looking at it, wondering has it gone in, but I, I could not believe that went in. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously he'd be delighted with a with a win in his in his first game, but yeah, like you say, there was some fraudulent goalkeeping going on. 
Uh, I mean, when when Southampton took such an early lead, you did think, oh, this might this might run away, and this could be a, a howler of a of a first game for him. But they did reply very soon after, and uh, yeah, obviously getting the win is 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 good. But yeah, like like you said, some some poor goalkeeping. Yeah, Southampton tend to do this, as you said. They'd get an early goal and then just don't really do anything for about 70 yeah. minutes. And yeah, it was just a poor loss. I'm sure Hassan Hutter was raging because, I mean, Norwich should be an easy three points for every team, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, Southampton seemed to be quite content with just um, 1-0 wins or whatever. That's what they tried to yeah. play for. Um, but in the Premier League, that's just not going to work for you because every team is so, so good and so lethal that anyone can score. Um, and so one nil. I mean, we saw it with, with the Chelsea um, Chelsea game. You know, one nil um, lead is not is not enough. Um, and so sitting back is it's it's not going to work in the Premier League, I think. Um, and yeah, Norwich Norwich got the win. Yeah, it was a good performance from Norwich. I think Billy Gilmore impressed, and he could flourish under Dean Smith. Actually, he's playing like a more of a number eight role. Um, he's on set pieces as well, which I think is good for his development. And yeah, Chelsea fans will be, hope, hopefully Gilmore can develop as much as Gallagher has at, at Palace this season and they can both come back and join the squad next yeah. season. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a, it's a young player. He's very exciting to watch. Obviously, we saw him when he burst into the scene against Liverpool uh, for Chelsea. Man of the match performance, played just unbelievable football. And he does have that ability to control games. Uh, to play killer passes, and he's just—he's got a great, a great uh, football brain on him, and I think it will be, yeah, exciting, like you say, to see him develop, and hopefully, yeah, he can come back like, uh, like Conor Gallagher. That'd be that'd be fantastic, obviously, to have those two as options. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always rated him. I thought he's a top player, and he's playing for us. Um, so I'm happy to see him getting some, getting getting some confidence and playing well. You know, that's good. Yeah, I mean, your squad's going to be a joke next season, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I still think Norwich are going to go down, to be honest. Um, and Dean Smith actually said the, he wouldn't have taken the job if he didn't think they could stay up. So, you know, fair play to him. If he kept them up, it'd be so impressive, but I just can't see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I if he keeps them up, that's obviously a, a, a great bit of of, of, manage, of of managering, but who knows? It's, it's going to be a very, like you say, a big, big challenge for him. Yeah. Uh, moving on to, I think, the surprise of the weekend. It was a 4-1 win for Watford over Man United. And yeah, obviously the Ollie sacking will be the main talking point. Me and Joe both predicted United wins, as you do. But, you know, what? I don't think anyone saw this coming, even optimistic Watford fans. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can laugh at Man U for, for how poor they've been um, recently. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I was not expecting Watford to to beat them, especially not four one. But I mean, yeah, Man, Man U's last uh, last last five, I think, is like four losses and one win, which is just ridiculous. Uh, it's not, it's just not good enough. And um, Watford made them look silly, to be honest. Um, and I mean, Saar obviously missed missed his penalties, which could have been even worse for Man U. So I think it really just does show how much they needed a change. Um, and you know, Ollie, like everyone says, you know, he's a nice guy, but you just—I don't think he was right at this point for the job. You know, he wasn't wasn't getting the results that they needed. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's it's fair enough that he got sacked. I think all the fans are calling it for it by the end, except obviously Gary Neville, because. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> but um, I think it's important to remember the stability he actually provided at the start of his reign. I'm gonna try and you know shine some some good light on the performances that they put in at the start because I think ultimately he is just a man manager and he helped bring through youngsters like Greenwood who you know flourished under him last season and at the start of this season as well and I think the the owners didn't really do him any favours and ultimately his nice nature cost him the job because he's known to have wanted to go for Declan Rice over Ronaldo this summer which I think would have served United better way 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 better for team stability and um <clears throat> I think the season before he also wanted Haaland which you know is pretty hard to do but I think Haaland was interested and instead he was handed um a 37 year old free transfer Edison Cavani who's not been too bad but it clearly wasn't planned out and it was more of a last minute move but you know he also got 20 goals out of an inconsistent Anthony Martial which I don't think many people saw 
him being able to do and got the best out of Rashford in spite of his ongoing injury issues. And yeah, I think Pogba and Ronaldo both in the team is ultimately what caused this upset imbalance because even before Ronaldo came in, they won 6-1 against Leeds and, you know, just looked so dominant. Um, and I guess they papered over the cracks a bit, but I just think having two what ultimately luxury players in your team is always just going to cost you in terms of team balance. And that ultimately costs his job, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but like you say, he, he did some great things, you know, like Greenwood, for example. I think that that is that is very good for him. You know, he's brought in a young player and now he's 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 top quality. But really what they need to improve is his midfield and their defense and getting Ronaldo, like you like you say, I mean, getting a Declan Rice probably would have been better for them. I mean, Ronaldo obviously has done some great things for them. And has won them games this season and stopped stopped defeats. You know, he, he has done some great things. But if you if you get rid of the issue, which is the defense in the midfield, you wouldn't be in these situations. You know, Fred and McTominay in the midfield, like that's just that's not going to be winning you anything, really, is it? Like they're, they're not they're not good enough. And Maguire is oh, he's just having a shocker at the moment. I think really they need to need to make some some good quality signings that are gonna improve that defensive midfield and that's the only way they're going to start winning games again really yeah I mean the the Ronaldo situation was just a lose-lose either they get him and upset the balance you know don't get to carry out what they wanted or he goes to City where I think he would have you know bagged 20 goals easily and potentially even taking them to a title so either way United were a bit screwed with with that whole situation I think and there was nothing they really could have done because when when the rumours were going round that, you know, Ronaldo was off to City, the United fans were livid. They were furious. Like, why aren't we going for Ronaldo? And then Rio Ferdinand obviously sent that tweet and the rest is history. But, yeah, yeah it, it was just an unfortunate situation, I think, for, for United. Yeah, I mean, like you say, Ronaldo probably, if he had gone to City, would be bagging goal after goal. And that's the thing. That's why I think it's impressive that he's still doing what he is doing because he's got no real service, you know. Um, his goals, he, he seems to be creating them himself or the headers that he's scoring it's because of the way he heads the ball. It's not because of the ball, really, most of the time. You know, it's um, that there's fundamental issues at United that have to be solved. And yeah, like you say, obviously, if he had gone to City, Man U fans would have been absolutely gutted. But they are, they're still gutted at the moment because they can't, they can't get results. And that is because, yeah, they need to, they need to sign some so some fundamentally good midfield players and good defensive players because it's just not working for them. Yeah, agreed. And um, I think Oli was criticised for his use of Donny van der Beek, but I just think that's because the way he plays is quite it's quite similar traits and attributes to Bruno. And I don't really think they can coexist in a team unless you're playing against a low block. So. I'm not really sure why he was brought in. And maybe he was brought in in case Bruno picked up an injury as a backup, but 40 million for a backup is quite a lot. I just, I was a bit, conf yeah. bit confused. I'm still unsure why they went for him. I think, you know, he'd be much better suited at another club because he's obviously got talent and he can invade space really well. But in terms yeah, of that's working been, with Bruno. The, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's been like one of the biggest criticisms, obviously, of Ole, hasn't it? You know, yeah. How he's, how he's just got got Donny van der Beek on the bench every single week, not getting minutes at all, really. Obviously, did score against Watford, the one goal. Um, but yeah, that, that I, th I think it's such a shame, to be honest, because if he'd gone to any other club, I feel like he would have been getting way, way, way more games. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's, I, I don't really understand that decision to bring him in if you're not going to play him. Um, uh, and it's it's just not worked out for him. And I think that that is... Something that Man U fans would always bring up uh, to criticise Oli, which I do think is fair enough because it's just a silly, silly decision to bring him in if you're not going to use him or if you're just going to sit there for that amount of money. It just seems ludicrous to have him just sat on the bench the whole time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I am a bit gutted he didn't go to another club because, like you say, he's got, got great talent. We saw that, you know, he's, he's a great player. Um, definitely good enough to be in another Premier League side starting every week. So, um, yeah, I feel for him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm not really sure where else he could go, but I just don't think that he's, if as long as Bruno's at United, which you know, I don't see ending in 
the foreseeable future. I just don't see him having a, a future there, really. Who knows what the next manager can get out of him. Um, I think there's rumours of, you know, Pochettino coming in. But after watching the PSG City game yesterday, I'm just not too sure on whether he's, you know, at the elite tactic level of the likes of Pep, Klopp, Tuchel, people like that. Um, managers, you know, the best managers in the world. So I think that United's best option would actually be Ten Hag at Ajax. I've come to that conclusion now. Um, I think he's just... The way he sets up that team there is just so impressive and I'd really like to see him come to the Premier League, even if it's to a rival like United. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Poch obviously did some great things for Tottenham, but last night, yeah, I watched that game as well and they got absolutely destroyed. Um, yeah. They were lucky that it was only 2-1, lucky to get a goal. Um, they just got dominated the entire game. And uh, yeah, like you said, I think if, if he's going to bring those tactics to United, it's just not going to work. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I do think other options are, are a, lot, a lot better than Posh. Yeah, because, I mean, essentially the way they played was seven men, seven men behind the ball and then just stick yeah. Neymar and Mbappe Messi up the top and see That's see it. what they can do, really, what magic they can create, which I don't think is sustainable long-term. No, but, especially not against just top defenders, which we have in the Premier League. Like, yeah. That's just not going to work. Even the quality they have, I mean, obviously, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi are, are top, top players. But uh, like you say, it, did, it just didn't work against City. Obviously, City have a quality defence and they just completely outplayed them the entire game. Uh, and even though they, they sat so many men behind the ball, City could still create chance after chance. You know, with those wide balls in, Mahrez had a great game. Um, found so much space out there on the right, just somehow. When, when you have that many men behind the ball, I don't get how how it looked like there was just space everywhere for, for City. It's just the way they played the way they played yesterday was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and PSG just looked like they were in too deep water. I mean, obviously the French league, it's completely different standard, really, isn't it? You know, you, you got PSG obviously win pretty much every game there, and you bring it to the Champions League against a team like Man City that are unbelievable in the Prem. They're going to be un- unbelievable against a, a team playing in this French league against teams that don't really offer much, especially not compared to City. And it, it showed yesterday, really did. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, just just going back to the Watford game, obviously, I think we should give them some credit and not just slate Oli and slate United. Yeah, no, of course, they, they, they play well. Yeah, they yeah. play well. I think they, they they scored five against Everton, now four against United. You know, like fair play, fair play Ranieri for getting the best out of that. But I think AFCON will, will hamper their chances of surviving, to be honest, because... They've got Ishmael Assar, Dennis, Atebo, Trusikong, just off the top of my head. That's four four key players that start week in, week out, who they're going to lose for a good month or so, especially when they get into their good fixture run. That's That coincides with these players going away on international duty, which isn't great, but who knows if Ranieri can do it because he's got the magic and you know we've seen him in the past get the best out of worst players, so who knows? Yeah, obviously Saar will be a massive loss. He's he's been great this season, um, really showing his talent. And I think, yeah, it will, it will be a big big loss for them. And it will be interesting to see kind of how they cope. Obviously, when you got the cycling GK and goal, anything is possible. So uh, we we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's move on to the next game. So that was a Wolves one 0 win at West Ham against West Ham. Don't yeah. think many people saw that coming. You know, me and Joe both yeah. predicted West Ham wins. So. That's yeah, I mean West Ham obviously had a they've had a great season. Um and Wolves are really finding their form. Um playing playing better. Obviously, it was just just one goal. Um and West Ham did, did create some chances. But yeah, I was not expecting a Wolves win. Uh, it was a great, great finish from him in his day. Um and yeah, I mean I was just like you, just like you, I was quite surprised by that result. Yeah, I mean I think it was just a an off day from the from the Hammers, to be honest. You know, I, th- I think they're completely fine going forward. Um, I think it was thought it was interesting that Ben Johnson's still keeping Vladimir Sufal out of the team, which you know speaks volumes about the talent that he has because Sufal's a solid, you know, above average Premier League right back. So I'm excited to see what he can bring. But yeah, just really rate what Bruno Large has done with Wolves in turning that passive, defensive Nuno Espirito Santo team into an expansive and exciting to watch team, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're creating a lot more chances now. 
um, and the, the players from exciting football. Uh, I, I agree with what you said about West Ham. I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried as a West Ham fan. Um, like I think it was just like an, an off day. They're playing some great football this season. They got some great quality. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do this season. To be honest, because they they really are doing well. I mean, Wolves as well. They, they, they've really picked it up. They're like sixth in the Prem now, which is obviously great for them. So both those teams, if they keep it up, that that would be that'd be exciting to see them pushing uh, pushing at the top there. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, well, the next game of the weekend was the 5.30 Liverpool-Arsenal game, which, you know... Was <laughs> yeah, a... I'm sure, sure that wasn't great for you. It was, it was a bit gutting, but I kind of expected it, as yeah. I said on the last pod, you know. I thought we'd start well and the intensity would drop, um, and that's basically what happened, but it was sort of caused by the whole Arteta and Klopp cat clash on the sidelines, which, you know, instilled more energy in the players and the fans, and it just projected more intensity onto the pitch for Liverpool and then we dropped off as we always do after about 30 minutes and I don't think that's a quality issue that's more of an experience issue because you've got the likes of Gabriel, Ben White who they're still young centre-backs they're very talented and I think they're going to grow into be you know solid solid centre-backs but they don't know how to lead a high line for 90 minutes you know when to push up when to stop when to apply the press in from the likes of Saka and Smith-Rowe so I think it's just going to take time. It wasn't, you know, this Liverpool do this to a lot of teams and I'm not too worried from a quality point of view because I actually think this squad's the most talented I've seen as an Arsenal fan. So I'm really excited for what the future brings for us. But yeah, the Liverpool press was nuts and they just always seem to batter us. And yeah, even well, though I, mean, I, I expected it, it was hard to watch. So. You know, of course. Um but yeah, like you say, you have to put it into perspective. Liverpool do this to they can do this to anyone. You know, they're a top, top team. Um, and obviously Arsenal, you know, 4-0, it doesn't look good. But like you say, they're they're young players. Um, but saying that, they did they did definitely get outplayed. Yeah. Um, which but but like I say, I think that's fair enough. You know, Liverpool can do that to anyone. The uh the uh Arteta and Klopp having their little a <laughs> little chat on the sideline definitely did spur spur the uh, the fans on, and then Mane obviously netted pretty much like straight away after that, yeah. which just lifted the atmosphere and kind of then just led to everything else. Um, and I think yeah, from from then on, it definitely was just a Liverpool domination. But yeah, that that could happen to anyone. Arsenal kind of turned their season around though. Um, they're playing some good football now, winning games, which is it's good to see. Um, you know, my, my my family are all Arsenal fans, so you know, they're pretty happy about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think the clash on the sideline, as you said, probably cost us a goal, but I just love seeing that passion from our manager because if it was the other way around, I, I reckon Klopp would have reacted in the same way. Tuchel would have reacted in the same way. Pep would have, you know, this is what all the elite managers do. So I don't think, you know, we can blame Arteta and criticise him for doing that because... I I quite like seeing that passion. I don't think I would have seen that from the likes of Unai Emery, you know, when he was here. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm in a happy um, spot right now with Arteta. I I think early season after the few losses we faced, there was a lot of Arteta out calls, you know, from our fan base, which can get quite toxic. But I think at the the current state we're in, we're in a pretty good place and, yeah, happy looking forward. You know, obviously, you like to see that passion from your manager. Um, when we had Frank, obviously, he had a bit of a, a scrap mm. of top as well, which <laughs> didn't end well for us either. So, um, yeah, I think it's always good to see passion. You you want your manager to to love your club and want to fight for your club. Exactly. Um, and top top managers, they will they they get so passionate. You know, Klopp gets passionate, Pep gets gets passionate, Tuchel gets passionate. Like, it's just it it shows that you care and you're a top manager and you you want the best for your team. And I think. Really, yeah, it might have cost a goal. Like uh, I think, even saying that though, it's Liverpool. They can make a goal out of anything. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be blaming Arteta. Um, uh, yeah, I think realistically, it's good to see that passion from your manager. Yeah, it was fascinating though because he's usually a cool, calm, and collected character, and it seemed yeah. a bit out of character that. But you know, I think all the Arsenal fans appreciated it, and obviously Ramsdale made some great saves. But for a couple of the goals, I feel he could have done better. So they kind of balance themselves out um 
And from Liverpool's point of view, I thought Simicast came in and did a great job deputising for Robertson. You know, I'm really impressed with Liverpool's recruitment in that area. And I think the problem with their team is it's so specific to a system that they struggle at times to find players to fit in if they need to, you know, upgrade or find backups, which is why they tend to probably not spend as much or they haven't really in the last couple of seasons. But I think Simicast is an example of a, you know, great great summer recruitment and yeah I think he can always come in and do a good job whenever Robertson picks up an injury or he's out of form or something yeah I agree um obviously watching him watching Simicast coming this season he's really really impressed me I think he's been great you know um for, for, for a player that I didn't I didn't know much about before he before he joined um this season I think he's been he's been unbelievable for them you know he's, he's really done a job and Robertson is obviously such a crucial part to that Liverpool team um both him and Trent similar to Chelsea, you know, it's, it's crucial for those players. Um, and he's it, he never really looks like he's out of his uh, out of depth or anything like that, you know, he's, he's playing good football. And just touching on uh, Ramsdale, yeah, there, there probably were a few, a few, a few uh, mistakes. He, he could have done better in, the, in this game, but he's having an unbelievable season. You know, he really is uh, showing himself to be a top, top goalkeeper. And I think a lot of people question that decision when you, when you brought him in. Um, but but wow, he's really shown showing his worth, and uh, yeah, he's playing well for you. Yeah, I think his his distri- distribution was sort of hidden in a way when he was at Sheffield because Chris Wilder just said lump it up basically, so you never really got to see how he could play out from the back. But at the, for the first 15, 20 minutes, you know, we played it perfectly. I thought when Liverpool applied their press in terms of playing it out from the back at times, it. It looked exactly like how Man City did with Pep and Edison. And that was obviously something I think that's rubbed off on Arteta. And sometimes we'd go long, um, but we lack that aerial outlet to win those win those knockdowns, you know, and then have people to, around to win the second ball. So I think when Lacazette does inevitably move on at the end of the season, we will bring in a new striker. And I think it's going to be more of a, a physical striker. So the people that have been... You named is the likes of Calvert Lewin or Isaac from Sweden or Dusan Vlahovic of uh, he's in Fiorentina in the Italian league. Even Ivan Tony, you know that sort of striker, I think would come in and really suit our style of play and yeah, build off the other players. Yeah, I agree. I feel like uh, like you say with Man City and stuff, they 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 play they play out from the back because they don't really have that physical presence up top. Similar for Chelsea when Lukaku's injured. Um, Obviously, you've got Havertz, who's tall, but he's not exactly a physical player. So the, those teams with the, with the smaller forwards, you, you have to really play out from the back because if you hoof it, trying to find a man up top, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to win those knockdowns. So, um, I, I mean, I think playing out from the back when done correctly can be can be absolutely um, devastating to other teams. Obviously, you saw Man City doing it yesterday. Um, when they play out from the back, they they look incredible. Um, and yeah, Arsenal they, those those first those first 20, 30 minutes they played they played some good football. I do think that goal from Mane really did change the game. Um, and kind of made Arsenal uh a bit more vulnerable. You know, probably drop drop their heads a bit. But before that, they did play some good football. Um, and yeah, yeah, impressed. Yeah, 100%. And speaking of City, you know, they had a great 3-0 win on the weekend as well against Everton. Cancelo's assist was outrageous, you know, outside yeah, of the was disgusting, wasn't it? Outside <laughs> of the week. And uh, yeah, right, right on the foot of Sterling, which was a good finish, to be fair, but he missed so many sitters that game. I can, I can understand why he's not starting at the moment, just not consistent enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that one that came across the box, wasn't there? <laughs> I don't know what was going through his head, trying to trying to touch it when when oh. was coming out right to him, just hit just hit it. You know, um, I, I don't know. He's, he makes some questionable decisions at times, but yeah, I mean that that first goal was just ridiculous. The ball, the finish, it was all great. Um, probably not even the best goal of that game though. Obviously, no. <laughs> no. Um, Rodri with that strike was That's ridiculous. Disgusting. Um, but yeah, I mean Man City, obviously we know how good they are, um, and. Cancelo is really, really showing himself this season to be a great, great player. Um, I'm so impressed by him. I think this league at the moment is producing some unbelievable wing backs, um, and it's exciting to see. 
Uh, obviously, they've got Carl Walker on the other side again, who's just quality with his pace. Um, and he, he's like a big reason last night, I think, that PSG, that, that tactic they were going for didn't really work because he's got that pace. Uh, even if he goes forward, he can still catch up with those those players like Mbappe. You, know, you can see Mbappe didn't want to didn't want to take him on a race, which is just so rare to see for him. Because yeah. he usually can take and beat anyone with that with that pace. But um, yeah, I mean Man City obviously are just quality side, even with injuries, you know, obviously Kevin De Bruyne are out their their star man and they can still perform just at a ridiculous level. So um yeah. Yeah, I haven't really seen KDB up to his high levels for a while actually, but yeah. City are still doing well and I think Bernardo Silva's really stepped it up this season. In my opinion, he's been their best player and he's just been faultless every game, really. So, yeah, really impressed with their performances all season. Yeah, Bernardo Silva's been great this season. Um, not only showing his like, attacking ability, but he's showing his work ethic, tracking back, winning the ball. Did it a lot last night. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, like you say, really becoming a great player. And that's just something that, that Pep does. You know, he, he creates these unbelievable footballers. Um, and yeah, he's had a great, great season. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. And uh, last game of the weekend was Spurs-Leeds, which was a 2-1. Oh, I forgot to say, so for the City-Everton game, I predicted a 4-0 and Joe went for a 2-0 and it was 3-0. So pretty, pretty, pretty decent predictions. But yeah, yeah so yeah. for the Spurs-Leeds game, I went for a 3-0 optimistic Spurs win and Joe went <laughs> for a 2 all draw. So we were both kind of off with the 2-1. But yeah, it was an interesting game, I think. First half, Conte got it tactically wrong, but he managed to change it. And by the second half, they were basically playing five. The first, the highest line was made of five players, including their two wing backs, which is just so attacking. I think that's what you've got to do when you play Leeds, you know, bring the game to them. And yeah, it was just a, a great game to watch. Yeah, obviously that that, that tactical change, bringing, bringing those wing backs up the pitch, obviously worked with regular scoring. Um uh, yeah, the, uh, at first I did think after Dan James' goal, I thought, oh, this this might be embarrassing here for Tottenham." <laughs> but yeah, they did they did turn it around, um, played some more attacking football, and I, I think under under Conte they they could be again a really good team. I think they need to get Harry Kane back on form. Obviously, after the during the international, and he's scoring scoring hat tricks for fun. Everyone's thinking, you know, he's back, he's back. But those are against opposition that are not a top, top quality, which the Premier League, every team is a top quality team. Um, and so, I mean, as soon as he's back, I think that that will really, really change this Tottenham team around um, and probably turn their season around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it didn't, it seemed lucky in a way to to, to win against Leeds, which you, you don't want to have to say as like, as, as a team that should be as good as Tottenham are. Um yeah, you, you don't want to be saying that, but but hopefully they they uh, they start to progress now. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I did feel Kane was putting in more effort than maybe previous games, but I just yeah. think Calvin Phillips had a fantastic game. You know, he did a number on Kane, just outplayed him really and marked him out of the game. And uh, you can see why they're so important, why he's so important to that Leeds team. And you can see from the stats as well. You know, he's he's got they Leeds have an eighteen percent win rate when he's not in the team, which is so low and yeah I think he just adds so much to that team and I'd argue he's one of England's best midfielders and I can see why he started in the summer so much I'm a huge fan of him yeah definitely I'd agree with that I'd say he's definitely one of England's top midfielders he had a great great summer and he's uh, yeah like you say such a crucial crucial player for Leeds um yeah I, I think he is one of the greats in midfield at the moment you know he's playing playing some great football marking Harry Kane taking him out of the game isn't easy to do. Obviously, he's a world-class striker. Um, and I agree with what you say about it, it, Harry Kane seeming like he was up for it a bit more. I feel like the change of manager, that might be it. Um, but he seems like he wants to be there. Obviously, after all the rumours in the, in the summer, it, it seemed like he was maybe disappointed that he didn't get to get didn't get a move. Uh, maybe that was, that was uh, stunting him a little bit. But he seems to now be back kind of caring wanting to play wanting to win wanting to score which I think is great because you, you know you want to see him scoring he's such a good player yeah 100% all right well let's move on to our predictions now so first game yeah. of the weekend is the Arsenal Newcastle game that's the 12 30 kickoff what are you going to predict for that game um 
Yeah, okay. So I'm I'm thinking for that that game, I'm thinking it'll be 2-0 Arsenal. Um I think I think they they like you said, they've got some quality. But that is if they can if they can keep their head, if they can play well, no like press at the at the right times, not make mistakes, because you know, obviously against Liverpool it's 4-0, but that is Liverpool. And I do think Newcastle are are really lacking that 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 ability at the moment. So yeah, I'm gonna say 2-0 Arsenal. Yeah, fair. I'm probably going to go for a 2-1. I reckon we'll start well, get maybe an early goal and then maybe another goal will follow and then we'll sort of drop off again and then Newcastle might nick a goal because they're so attacking. So, yeah, that's how I kind of see this game playing out. But I think it should be a comfortable win for us at, at lunchtime on the Saturday. Nice. So, next game up is the Palace-Villa game. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? What do you think will happen there? This is, this um... is a it's a, it's a tough game. It's a tough game, but I, I do think Palace will probably edge it. Um, I think that will probably be two one. Um, yeah, like you say, that, that, that's a, it's a tough game to predict that one. But yeah, I'm gonna say two one. I'm gonna go for a one all. I think you know Gerard's been quite impressive since in that first game. I thought Villa looked a much better side, and I've also really liked what Vieira's done with with that Palace team. So. I was leaning maybe towards Palace with the home advantage as well, but I think I'll go for a one-all draw. Okay. All right, so next up is the Liverpool-Southampton game. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-0 for that one. I think Liverpool should dominate them. And, yeah, I, th- I think last season, actually, Hassan Hutel did do a number on Klopp. And I remember after the game, he started crying when they managed to beat Liverpool. But I just think... <laughs> In front of the cop, it's not going to be the same as uh, St Mary's. So. No, I, I'm, I'm going to say 4-0 for that game. Um, Liverpool obviously just have a ridiculous amount of class. Mo Salah can't stop scoring and assisting goals. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see how Liverpool can win that game. Uh, I mean, I hope they do, to be honest. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that'll be yeah, 4-0 Liverpool. Yeah. Next game is uh, Norwich Wolves. What are, you, what are you thinking about this one? Um, I'm thinking Wolves will, will, will probably win that game, but I think it, it, it could be a draw. It could be quite tight. Uh, I'll probably go for a 1-0 Wolves. Fair. I think I'm going to go for a 0-0, a boring. I think if there's going to be one game which is 0-0 this weekend, it'll be that one. Because yeah, yeah, as, as, as good as Wolves have been, they've not been scoring that many goals. And yeah, I think Norwich as well, just still not convinced. So that, I'll go for that. Okay, next game is uh, Brighton Leeds at the Amex. I'm going to go for a one-all in that game. Um, I think Leeds have just the quality midfield. Obviously, Brighton have Basuma, who's he's, uh, he's a good player. I don't know how good he is off the pitch. But, but um, yeah, I'm thinking one-all for that, for that game. I think it'll be a tight, tight game. Yeah, I agree. I think last season, Brighton did a number on, on Leeds and, you know, won one-nil twice. So, I'm going to go for another one-nil just... See if okay. history can repeat itself. But yeah, I think it'll be a tight game again. And I think Leeds are lacking a bit with Rafinha and Bamford out, but who knows? You know, they might I think they've got a new striker up top who's quite young, Gilhart, who's been quite exciting and you know, he's still a bit raw, but who knows? He could nick a goal or something. We'll see. All right. Next game up is the Brentford yeah, Everton yeah. game. Were you what do you expect in that game? I think again, this is a very, very difficult game. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure which way to go for this one. Um, Everton's form has been has been poor, but but so is Brentford's. Um, I think this might be a might be a nil nil. Fair play, yeah. I think I'm going to go for a a one nil Brentford, but yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be tight. I just don't know where Everton are going to get any goals from. In all honesty, without Calvert Lewin and Richarlison as well. I think he's suspended for this game. So I just don't know whether, apart from maybe an Andros yeah. Townsend worldy out of the box, you know, I just can't really see how they're going to score. So <laughs> I'll yeah, go for no, one that. All right. Next up is the Burnley Spurs game. Um, I'll go for a, um, I'll go for a 3 1 Spurs start. I think there might be some goals okay. in it. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, clearly. Uh, I'm thinking 2-1 Spurs. Um, I'd like to see Caden score, but who knows? Um, yeah, I think if, if Conte gets tactics right from the, from the off, this, the, yeah, I think it could be 2-1 two, two Spurs is what I think. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think there, there will be some goals in it because Burnley aren't in their usual state where they're just sitting off in a low block. But who yeah, knows? Yeah. Deitch might change them around for this game and we could see a, a boring game. But yeah, I, hopefully there'll be some goals in it and perhaps Conte will pick up a, another win. Um, next game is Leicester-Watford. What are you thinking about this one? I think this is obviously a tough, you know, obviously Watford have come off a great week and their confidence will be high and Leicester have come off a bit of a battering. So um, I think it, it, it could be quite tight, but I do think Leicester will will come out and win that game. I think it'll probably be 2-1, I think. So, um, yeah, I think 2-1 is what I'll go for. Mm, yeah, I was I was thinking either 2-1, but I might go for a 2-all, actually. I was just so happy with how Watford played last week. So hopefully they can, yeah. you know, nick another draw. I can see them scoring two goals, so I'll go for 2-all in that one. Um, next up is City-West Ham. What do you expect in that one? Um, obviously, I think West Ham have been a quality side this season, but Man City are just ridiculous. If they play like they did against PSG, there's no way I can't see them winning. Um I'm going to go for 3-1 City. Fair. Yeah, I think I'll go for a 2-1. I think West Ham have still looks pretty decent, so I'll give them a bit of credit and give them a goal. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'll be a dominant City yeah. performance again. So, And uh, last up is uh, Chelsea United. So what are you going to lose? 7-0 Chelsea, mate. <laughs> um, um, I think, I, I think uh, we do have too much quality for them. I don't want to uh, jinx it now um but on and uh, on on everything i can go off i think we'll win the game um up in two nil chelsea nice i'm gonna go a bit bold with this one i'll go four one chelsea i think united could nick a goal i could see ronaldo getting on this one yeah wow i hope i hope you're right <laughs> so let, let's see if if any of our predictions come to fruition. But yeah, it's it's been been great chatting to you, Archie. Um, I'm yeah. sure I'll have you on again. Yeah. Cheers for the chat. Well, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, mate. No, yeah, thanks no for worries. having me on. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was great. Fast, all right. See you guys.